You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. So as I was thinking about this week, set apart week, um, the Psalm 51 came into my head this morning, which says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. As we begin worship this morning, let's put ourselves in a posture of receiving a new spirit from our holy God. Will you stand with me and pray? Heavenly Father, thank you for being in this place. Thank you for preparing our hearts. Thank you for going before us. God, it's your breath in our lungs. It's the life that you've given us inside of us. And Father, I pray that your spirit would just pour out in a mighty way this morning. I ask that you would restore in us the joy of our salvation, that you would create in us a clean heart, oh God, that you would lead us into further paths of your righteousness, Lord. And I pray that you would help us to receive that this morning. In Jesus' holy name I pray, amen. I was going to do this whole message from a treadmill again. If you missed Monday, you can go back and watch that. But I can't do it from the treadmill because I did leg day with James Ballard. And I can barely walk right now because you never skip. There we go. You never skip. Yeah, I can tell you guys want to skip leg day based on how you say that. Jesus is on the move. He's met us day in and day out. So we welcome him. He's on the move. And I'm excited what he wants to do here today in and through you. How he might use your yes. Now, my, my life has been a series of, of pretty good decisions and then also some pretty dumb ones. Can I share a dumb one with you? Is that okay? Not believable. I'm going to share it anyway because I have the microphone and you don't. Okay? And so it does involve a treadmill. And so I'm sorry for those who are loving. I, I don't mean to guilt or shame anybody. If you are a treadmill person, hallelujah for you. Okay, that's great. You have perseverance and mental capacity that I don't. Okay? But I was training on a treadmill. I got talked into slash tricked into doing a triathlon a couple years ago. It was just a very bad idea. But one of my friends said, come on, let's do it together. It'll be fun. That is not fun in my book. I have different ideas of what fun is. But, so I got on the treadmill, and I trained, and I did a lot of stuff. But you know, you do, a, you do a swim, you do a bike, and then you do a run. So the day came, the race came, and I did finish. There's the picture a couple years ago. You can see that there. That was great. What you didn't know was the first part. See, I had trained in all the things, but I, I, I swam one year at Asbury. Uh, and so I thought, you know what? Swimming is going to be the easy part. So I trained a little bit. And then when I got to race day, they let you self-select, like, your speed of where you want to go. So, of course, I'm like, I'm going to go in the fastest time slot. Obviously, I swam 20 years ago. Nothing, you know, has changed. And so I get up near the, you know, and I'm, I'm going, I'm, I'm, I don't want to brag, but I'm doing really good, okay? And so I, I am going strong, and all of a sudden, like, I'm down and back, down and back. And it dawns on me that this, this isn't going well. And I start realizing, I was like, is the wall really far away? And I realized I have trained in a pool half the size of the pool I'm swimming in. 
Now, those who are not math majors, that is double the distance. That is double the amount of oxygen I am not getting, but I'm competitive, and so I don't want anyone to pass me. So instead of slowing down like a normal human being so I don't drown, what do I do? I crank it up. <laughs> I'm not letting, so I am going harder and faster, and like, I'm not even lying, okay, here. This is truthful. I thought I was going to drown. I am gasping for air. Every stroke I'm taking, like, there is no form left. I am like, I'm just like, I'm kicking wildly. I'm surprised the lifeguard didn't jump in. I finally get out. I'm dizzy. I wave to my family like everything is fine. I'm not fine. I don't know where I am. I'm ready to throw up. I can't feel anything. But I'm like, I'm good. And then they put you on a bike. Not a good strategy, right? (laughs) I finish. It was great. When I think about that story, though, it reminds me a lot of my relationship with Jesus, believe it or not, is there's a big difference between reading and studying about a triathlon and actually doing it. And I don't know if you ever found yourself in that place, but there's a pretty big difference between studying and just analyzing and researching Jesus versus actually and personally knowing him. And this whole week, that's what we've been trying to get at. That's what Set Apart is about. We don't want to just be on the, the treadmill of life where we just try super hard and just go faster, 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 faster. And we talked about the first week, fear is not our future. And we said we have to lay down, we have to give up control, we have to surrender, and so many of you did. And then we talked about uh, our identity in Christ being rooted in him. And as, as the Holy Spirit comes in, he changes our heart and he fills us with his holy love. And that changes our desires, our cravings, our very nature. And we start becoming more and more like Jesus. And he gives us his power to walk in victory and in confidence in him. And then Jeannie last night, she did a great job. Isn't Jeannie Banner awesome? Woo! Man, what a privilege to get to a tag team preach with Jeannie. She talked about we can't do it alone. We need friends. And we just don't need casual friends. We need to be the friend, and we need to have close friends who help us sharpen and become like Jesus, carry each other's burdens. And so today, I just want to land the plane talking about what are some practical ways that we can keep walking in holiness, keep cultivating this heart that says, Jesus, I am your, willing to go anywhere and do anything. You can have any area of my life. One way the Bible talks about this is through the language of abiding. You might know this, you might know this verse, John 15, 4. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. Now, when I talk about abiding, just to clarify, I mean life with Jesus. It's empowered through the Holy Spirit. It's this holy life. It's set apart. His presence distinguishes us. He fills us with joy. And all of a sudden, we're doing things, we're growing, and we're like, I didn't know this was even possible. And he addresses those, those issues and those things in our heart and life we may not even know known we're there. Another way to say this is, whatever fills you, forms you. Go ahead and say it to your neighbor. Whatever fills you, forms you. You know the drill. Choose your other neighbor and say, hey, I'm sorry, you're my other neighbor. But now say to them, whatever fills you, forms you. If you don't have another neighbor, you can mutter it to yourself. That's okay, too. And as the Holy Spirit starts to fill and form you, this abiding presence starts to cleanse your heart. 
your desire. Remember, heart is what you really believe, what you really desire, and we need it reoriented the way Jesus designed us to be in Genesis 1 and 2. And so he, he starts doing this work in our life, and the Spirit checks us so we're quick to respond that if we sin, not when we sin, then we repent quickly. And so we have this sensitivity to his leading. We walk in the Spirit. Jeannie talked about that uh, the end on Monday night. It was awesome. Abiding is how we know Jesus, not just know about him. Not just, remember, he's not an object to be studied. He's a person to be loved. Jesus wants this kind of personal relationship with us. I love how a New Testament scholar, uh, Michael Gorman, says it. He says, abiding is a relationship of profound dependence. So I'm hitting you with all this stuff, right? Well, I was trying to think, you know, my kids are here, and they might not remember this story because they remember very little of what their dad says. I'm sure you guys remember everything your parents said to you. But I wanted to have this really proud dad moment, right? Talking about abiding in Jesus, right? And early in their life, and this was going to shape them. And so I thought, aha, we have this peach tree in our backyard. And we live in Indiana because everybody knows if you want peaches, where do you go? Georgia, that's right. I don't know how this guy in my backyard in Indiana, it's super random, but there's a random peach tree there. And so I take him out there, and I, I'm giving him like the, the, all this theological jargon, like it's about parachloresis, this divine like, holy love in us. It's, it's going back and forth, and the triune God and the Western Armenian holiest tradition. And like I'm pouring like all this stuff into him, and they're like looking at me like, like it's, it's dynamic. Isn't that awesome, guys? And they look at me like, so you just hang there? <laughs> I'm like, get out of here, go play inside. You know, <laughs> you know, at first glance, abiding, it may sound like it depends all on us, and it may sound boring, but biblically, it's the exact opposite. It's dynamic, it's life giving. It's not us staying connected to Him and like begging, like, oh, Jesus, would you just give me a drop of your presence? Would you just give me a little bit of an ounce of your grace? Please, please, if you would ever, ever just give me. He says, if you, if you stay connected to me, I will push my life, my spirit out into you, and I give it freely. And all of a sudden, his perfect love is driving out fear. And you're growing and doing things that you didn't know were even possible. And he's changing you, because whatever fills you will form you. Say it with me again. Whatever fills you, forms you. You're like, okay, that's great, nice on paper, nice little chapel talk. But what happens when, like, I have real questions, when I have trouble, when I, I don't know what to do next? How does this abiding thing, set-apart life really work? So you might be asking a question like, hey, God, who do you want me to marry? Well, you keep abiding in Jesus, and you might get an answer like, well, who are you becoming? Well, okay, uh, what about, what do you want me to do with my life, God? You keep abiding in Jesus, and he might say, well, what are your gifts and your talents? Where could you help and serve someone the most? Move in that direction. Okay, okay. Jesus, you say you got this plan for my life. Well, you know, where is it? And, you know, give it to me now. <laughs> and maybe as you abide in him, he says something like, hey, I'm preparing you. But I'm waiting for your character to catch up to your future. Keep walking with me. In fact, this isn't just you know, hyperbole on my part. When you look at John 15, do you know what surrounds John 15? Not just chapter 14 and 16. What's in them is trouble. John 14, trouble. John 16, trouble. He says, in this world, you will have 
trouble. Don't let your hearts be troubled. And that word for trouble there means pressurized, overwhelmed, feeling like you're going to crack. It's like that kind of thing. And he uses the word heart. Don't let your heart, it's cardia. It's the same word we're talking about. What do you really desire? What do you really love? Let his presence fill you and form you. So you don't crack under the pressure, but you walk through it. So it, it may seem like sometimes like you're the first person in history to walk through these stages of life, and it's super to feel like there's no roadmap. It's overwhelming. Today's world, today, the growing up this way is crazy. There's actually predictable stages of faith throughout history. I'm going to share with you really, really fast. Is that okay? You're like, no, just keep moving. I'm going to share them anyway, okay? I'm going to take that as a yes. These, some of my friends here, uh, they came up with this. I love it. It's called uh, the Christ Stages Map. Dr. Bill and Christy Galtier from Journey of the Soul. I'm just going to fly through this. But first, there's confidence in Christ. That's salvation. You meet Jesus, and you're like, woo, on fire. All right, this is great. So then what do you do? You get involved. You start helping. You start figuring out your discipleship gifts, maybe. And you get in a small group or a band, thing like that. And then you're like, okay, great, I'm doing those things. Now i got to start serving. And so you get responsible. And so you start volunteering in a ministry. All really good things. But often what happens is these first three, this is a lot of us doing. And we start slowly, maybe not doing so good on the being part. And then what happens is we hit a crisis. Something with your family, something with your major, uh, your class, a friendship, something, and you hit the wall. And what happens a lot is this is where deconstruction happens. People go, okay, because I'm following Jesus and something bad happened, he must not be real, can't be true. This is the exact opposite place to, you don't push eject, you don't bail out. What a lot of people do is they hit the wall and they just try to repeat the first three going harder, harder and harder, treadmill, 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 treadmill. Must not be real, must be, can't make sense. I'm gonna deconstruct it. But instead, he says, no, press into the inner life. This inner journey of your soul. Let me, let's walk, let's reconstruct your faith in a deeper way, in a personal way. Let my sanctifying presence fill you and form you. And he walks through your, whether it's mental th things, mental health, or emotional, he wants to make you whole and holy. Again, don't confuse that with easy. But you keep walking, you keep going. And then you see that you're starting to walk in the Spirit. There's a sensitivity. Oh, should I go here? Should I do that? Should I take that job? Should I take that class? Should I ask that person out? Should I not? And then all of a sudden, there's transformation. And there's this sensitivity and this transformation. And this cycle will probably go on in your life. But guys, it's okay. It's how we grow. It's not, it doesn't mean the absence of God in your life. One of the verses that really helped me think about this is Isaiah 41.10. This has some Old Testament abiding. Abiding is not just a New Testament concept. It's actually an Old Testament thing as well. You may know this passage. Don't be afraid. I am with you. There's the abiding language. But then it says, I will strengthen and help you. Now, I'm not super smart here, but I feel like the word strengthen and help, they kind of sound like the same thing, Right? Well, then I started thinking, like, okay, what is that? Uh, as a kid, just be honest here, and we have some visitors today, so don't lie, okay? And so, when you were a kid, did you ever ask your parents for help, like, cleaning your room, maybe with chores, something like that? Show of hands? Absolutely, right? 
Now, the other honest part, you don't have to raise your hand for this, is when I asked my parents for help with my homework or cleaning my room or something like that, what did I really mean? I wanted them to do it, right? Like, I was like, you know what would help me? If you did that for me. I would learn a lot better. I'm a very experiential learner by watching you. And so I can't help but wonder sometimes when we approach, can we go back to that passage for a second? We want Jesus to do it for us. That's what help looks like. But he says, I will strengthen and help. The help is his presence strengthening us to go through when we go hit the crisis point, hit the wall, hit the trouble. He says, my abiding presence will give you strength, and that is me helping you mature and grow in Christ's likeness to live this set-apart life. Here's how I want to end, though. Just a couple practical things. There's four ideas on how do you keep cultivating this abiding life, this set-apart life. And these are not magical. These are not the four things you have to do to love Jesus and be holy. There's just a couple that I've noticed that are really, really helpful. And there's others out there, other spiritual formation practices. But here's a couple just to maybe help you out. All right, number one. This is my backyard. Isn't that awesome? That's a lie. Okay, I wish that was my backyard, Indiana. Sorry, Hoosiers, it does not look like this. And so this is, what, this is Sabbath. The first practice to keep cultivating this set-apart, holy life, I believe, is Sabbath. We've kind of lost that in our culture. Things don't shut down the way they used to, but all the early church fathers and mothers and disciples, they didn't really have to write about Sabbath and abiding that much. They just did it. It was part of who they were. And it's interesting, and in all of our, our modern world, with all of our conveniences, uh, research says that we sleep less, work more, we have increased anxiety, and feel overwhelmed. Friends, we need margin. I can't help but think that Sabbath is a significant part of that. It's a holy day. It's God's holy rhythm of life. So what would that look like to have a day, again, not to be legalistic or ritualistic, what would be a life-giving thing, something you could do that would help you to reorient your heart, to receive, to be in that posture to say, God, what do you want to say to me? And even if you're having doubts, wondering if this whole God thing is even real, what would happen if you just created a little space to say, all right, I'm going to try this. And you create that, it's the first day, not the last day. Second thing is time around the table. Now, for tons and tons of history, time around the table is sacred. So many times, this is when conversations with family happen or conversations with Jesus happen. Here at Asbury, it's kind of automatic. You got the calf, you got other places to go to. I get that, but what happens when you leave this place? It seems like everybody your age just goes. I remember feeling that. I was like, where'd everybody go? Like... How are you going to be intentional with time around the table? What, could, what would it look like to start practicing that now? When you sit down in, you know, in the cafeteria in the calf, it's like, what kind of conversation could I have? What kind of life-giving questions? Could, what kind of things could I celebrate about what Jesus is doing? Could I pray for, for my friend as they go to take their exam or, or go ready, get ready for a game or whatever it may be? Time around the table is central. Continue to develop this cultivating life. Another one is curating technology. We've all done it. We've all stood in line, and we've been that guy or girl, right? We get easily distracted. Recent research I read said that we touch our cell phone. The average cell phone user touches their phone over 2,600 times a day. 
it adds up. I'm not saying it's evil or wrong. I'm just saying, what, do we, what does it look like to curate that technology? I love this quote. This was written just a couple years ago. We have allowed our technology to outdistance our theology. And for this reason, we find ourselves caught up with many problems. Dr. King said that in a sermon quite a few years before 2013 when smartphones became ubiquitous. <laughs> he says, be careful. Don't get distracted. Don't miss God's presence. So what would curating technology look like? What if you had some sacred spaces? What if when you and your friends were in the car and you were going to Lex on the weekend or, or maybe playing laser tag or whatever it is, what if there was no phone? What if you were the fully present? What if, what if there was an hour a day you just turned your phone on airplane mode or even off? What if there was a spot at night you just set it down and maybe it's your, your alarm? I get that, okay? But what would it look like for you to say, hey, this is a great tool, but I'm not going to let it run my life. I want his presence to run my life. I need to curate technology. Last thing, this is a picture of my son Caleb a couple years ago here. I love this picture for a lot of reasons. I don't know if you can notice what's about to happen next. Do you see what's coming there? It's a wave. And while it's not a huge wave, he's about to get soaked. <laughs> I love that. Because, well... You can read into it, however, there's a parenting book coming, okay? So how to soak your kids. But uh, I love it because it reminds me we need this time to soak in Jesus' presence. Not just the daily, like, have my devos, check, pray, check, go to chapel because I have to, check. Are you carving out any space where it's not hurried, where you're not rushed, and that may be Lectio Divina. It may be time in the Word. It may be a hike. It may be you get out the guitar and play. Maybe you sit on the piano. It may, maybe it's a nap. Ask the Spirit, what do I need? I need to soak in your presence. I need some extended time where I'm not just trying to get the information from Him, but I want to know Him personally. Friends, we have to be careful we don't fall into spiritual information, just analyzing Jesus or the Christian life. But do we actually know him? Do we know his voice? You may be wondering, what is up here? I thought about doing this on the treadmill, but it was going to be too dangerous, okay? temptation for so many of us is to look at life and just, yeah, yeah, okay, I'm at chapel, I'm at Asbury, I'm doing all this stuff, and I'm taking it in, and so we just analyze, right? It doesn't ever quite permeate, or maybe just a little bit, but what ends up happening is we just kind of live life here on the surface. It doesn't ever quite get into us, and so we, we try harder and harder and harder to immerse ourselves, and maybe we try those practices of abiding. They don't seem to work. It doesn't quite take. And so we try hard, we try hard, and we, so we push ourselves down with all of our might, right? And just pop back up to the surface. 
We, no, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to do it in my own power. And we pop back up. We just live on the surface. And then we conclude, it's a sham. This Jesus thing doesn't really work. It's, it's only for weak-minded people. But instead, he says, will you let me fill and form you? And you, he says, will you let me just get inside every aspect of you? And says, will you let my presence fill and form you? And you create some space, and he starts to address some things that maybe you weren't even aware of. And maybe you say yes to Jesus today, and you think, I gave him everything. And then a week goes by, a month goes by, a year goes by. And he starts to do some work in you. He starts to take you a little bit deeper here. And you start living in a deeper place that you didn't know was possible. You don't just make him first. You make him the center. This doesn't mean life is free of problems, but it means you say, I'm set apart holy for you. The band's going to come back and we're going to close. And we want to leave some space today for you guys to, it's silly, I know, but to symbolize you're putting a stake in the ground today. That you want to be wholly His. You want His presence, His Holy Spirit to fill and form every nook and cranny of your life. There's something special about this isn't an Ezer or a stone like in the Old Testament, maybe your OT class, but <laughs> we're providing ping pong balls up here. It's so silly and crazy and dumb, I know. <laughs> but it could be extremely memorable to have a moment in time where you said yes to Jesus. And it symbolizes a reality of, God, I'm all yours. Whatever you want to do, wherever you want me to go, would you shape my heart and my character to be like you, Jesus? So I'm going to invite you to stand. I'm going to pray for us. And then as the band sings and plays, I'm going to give you an opportunity to, to come and respond to this invitation of Jesus. This invitation to full life, to full salvation, to life-giving the uh, this abiding nature of Jesus. And so we're praying and hoping that you'll come forward and, and not just take a ping pong ball because they're up here, but maybe you'll kneel, you'll pray, and you'll, there's something Jesus wants to do in your heart. Maybe you need some friends to come around you. Maybe you want myself or Jeannie or, or, or a professor to, to love on you. But as, the band, but as the band plays, let me pray for it. Jesus, we know it's a Friday, and we are, we are so thankful for Fridays. At the same time, we don't want to miss a moment of what you want to say to us, Jesus. So God, in these next few moments, God, we're praying that you would touch some hearts and lives. And that today, we would make a decision, a commitment, and accept this invitation, not just for the first part, but for this second part, to say, God, you can have everything in my life. Would you fill and form me with your Holy Spirit? Would you make me more and more like Jesus, holy and set apart? So we invite you to move. We love you and praise you. Amen.